Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, one thing I've heard coming from a lot of friends and uh, colleagues is that sea swimming was the activity of the last few weeks with people reporting that the water was like a bath. Well, <laughs> I can note the window. Maybe not today, but the man responsible for a song called Sea Swimming is Jack O'Rourke. Mm-hmm. And right now, not only has he another single released from his album Wild Place, he's also finishing up a residency in the Irish Cultural Centre in Paris. So, Elmerie rang him for a chat to see how he was getting on. It feels like ages since I congratulated you when your name was one of those announced as being the recipient of a residency. Like what gap of time happened between finding out you were going and now being there? It's a long old stretch. Yeah, it was a couple of months. Um, and in the meantime, the album kind of came out and there was a, there was a tour and COVID happened. And <laughs> so it's lovely to be here. You know, and and to just be in a different place and have the time and the the energy around here is really infectious in a good way, creativity wise. You know, there's a lot of artists around, and um, I showed you my my practicing space, which is a 16th century church wow. with a piano. So it's pretty amazing. Like last weekend, in fairness, Jack, here we that the weather has been just incredible. It's like every day we should be singing sea swimming and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And we played actually Runaway Train already on the show. And I'll get you to talk to us about it again in a little while. But really, I suppose what I'm super interested in is what's happening with you right here, right now, where you are and what this residency is meaning to you because Wild Place as an album is still doing well. You know, like people are still in love with each individual song of it. People are still in love with the whole arc of the, the album itself. What does being in Paris allow you to do? Did you go there with a specific project in mind or has it inspired a project? I did. In my kind of resume or my application, I talked about two different projects. I wanted to write about, first of all, women of Ireland, you know, from Danu all the way up to Sinead O'Connor <laughs> and maybe a kind of a collective female consciousness. But then I realized I'm male and um, maybe I don't have the right, but that, I might I might come back to that at a different time. But I was I was reading up on Roger Casement and particularly Oscar Wilde and Brendan Behan, who spent a lot of time in Paris during their lives. And I think, I suppose during a time in Ireland when things were quite oppressive for men like them, they probably found a lot of freedom here to write and to be who they are and to explore different aspects of themselves. So in a way, Wild Place was, was quite a personal album 
and I wanted to write about something else other than myself. <laughs> okay, so talk to me a little bit then about Roger Casement and Oscar Wilde and Brendan Bean and what it was that Paris allowed them have, I suppose, creatively, personally, because of their sexuality. Like, yes. how, what was the impact that Paris had? Well, I think for Wilde in particular um, and Bean, they, they were very much revered over here. Um, while they were quite impoverished at different times during their stay, Wilde in particular, he died um, quite tragically in a, in a hotel in Paris. And he famously said when he was dying, he was looking at the ghastly wallpaper and he said, one of us has to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that's right. I haven't heard that. In and Bean, Bean spent a bit of time here actually working as a painter. And uh, he actually lived very near here. And I'm, I'm in the Latin Quarter. So I've gone to the bookshop where he used to visit and he actually stayed there. And there's the original um, ticket of getting his bed for the night there. So there's lots of places around here in my research of them that, you know, you almost feel part of it. It's like a journey. It's unusual, isn't it? I suppose to kind of think about their impact on Paris as much as the impact on of Paris on them, like their impact on Irish culture, our history, how much we now revere them, though they weren't always looked on that in their own lifetime, but how much Paris impacted them. We forget that, you know, it was a reciprocal thing. The fact that you can go to the bookshop where Behan was and see where he stayed or the ticket for his lodgings. And that was an unusual bookshop, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. It was. I, I saw it first when Joanna Lumley was doing her programme on various kind of iconic European cities and she called in there and it's mostly in a, a bookshop where the books are in English. So that's unusual in itself. But the girl that runs it, her, her father, or I think maybe her grandfather, you know, was just a lover of literature and poetry and a lot of impoverished uh, writers ended up staying there sometimes for months. So yeah, living in the bookshop. Sort of, uh, living in the bookshop, literally. I think I actually saw that programme with Joanna Lumley as well. So I know what you're talking about. I, I loved, yeah. loved that. But, you know, in, in your, I suppose, current residency now in the Cultural Centre, and we'll come on to what it's doing for you. Those massive kind of like iconic Irish figures in Irish culture who had their own time and their own lives in Paris. Is that still as relevant now? I think it is. Um, it just seems over here that Wilde is really revered, you know, um, more so than Ireland. And Ibn is obviously hugely revered in Ireland, but but there's there's a real sense of reverence for them. And even Wilde is buried here. So it's it's just been interesting to research their lives here and what they got up to and even the kind of bridge between fact and fiction and how much you can make assumptions. Casewind is an interesting character because I think when he was doing his work in the Congo and writing that incredibly um, damaging report on the way the slaves were being treated there by the Belgians, he used kind of Paris as a bridge. And obviously then, you know, towards the end of his life and his diaries were published. And there's even a suggestion that they could have been tampered with to kind of to make little of his character. So I think Paris was a refuge for him and the two others. So I'm trying to find links between all three. I think you're painting quite a number of links there anyway. I mean, like culturally, yeah. politically. But I know for you also, it's the personal impact of mm. being in Paris would be as deep as any of the others. Because like, I remember when you were talking to me about, we'll say, opera on the top floor. Yeah. Like that was such an incredible song when you brought it out first. And you described about, you know, this guy in Kerry downstairs in the pub and there was all the GAA chat and everything like that. And he went upstairs and had him, his real self was yeah. where he had a chance to express it. Absolutely. And I, there's probably a, a theme running through these true men too over here. 
but even we were at a wine bar two nights ago where, where an amazing Northern Irish chef Hugh runs and there's a, there's a photograph of, of being up on the wall you know so everywhere you go these these men seem to be highly revered and respected that's what I'm kind of finding so fascinating that it's still as culturally relevant and, and I, I think that, that current just across the arts you know yeah. I, I think I remember reading that people like Miles Davis and Nina Simone um, in particular, you know, when they lived in, in their home country, America, they were often, they weren't even allowed to stay in the hotel that they were yeah, playing performing in, yeah. whereas in Paris, they were treated, rightly so, as gods of music, you know. Um, so it's, I think it's always held that particularly special place for artists, where art and culture is really put up on a high pedestal. Now, I have no doubt that Oscar Wilde and his time raised hell a few nights uh, out on the town. And I have no doubt in the world that Bean did as well. So I, I, I thought where, you were going to say that I, that I have. As, that's as what I'm head. coming to, Jack. Are you raising hell over there? And where is your photograph being <laughs> going to be on the wall for hanging your portrait? Like, take me through what is a typical day now? I presume you're not working every single day. You have to allow time for thought, reflection, yeah, it's, thinking it's and absorbing. Yeah. It's trying to find it's, it's it's such a terrible uh, dilemma, you know, this first world problem of, of, of wanting to explore uh, yeah. an iconic city and, and also then just get down to work. But in the morning, I, I do a lot of writing and use the piano and then um, I've explored the city. So it's finding that balance and then doing your bit in the morning so you don't feel guilty later on. But uh, <laughs> there isn't a gun to your head per se, you know, yeah. it's, it's a residency. So you're here to be inspired and if something doesn't come one day, there's always the next day. Overall, it's been quite disciplined. I think the fact that there is so much, like you don't have to be in a library in Paris researching these guys. No. They're actually on the walls around you. There are, but there's, there's actually an amazing library here at mm-hmm. the, the centre and even one above the chapel with books going back to the 13th century, 12th century. And again, I suppose the idea of collaboration, I had a gig here last Tuesday and um, in, in the church, which was um, a full house, which is amazing. But the artists staying here too. There's, there's been a lovely collaboration and you know a sense of community here, and that's infectious. You kind of bounce off each other. There's a great fiddle player, Connor from the north of Ireland, a, a traditional musician, and he joined me for a couple of songs. I worked on a poem that Bean actually wrote about Oscar Wilde in his last few hours, and he compares him to Narcissus. And I put that to music, and I performed that with Connor. And then there was an amazing um, duo who have, who have left Ingrid and Bogdan. They're Romanian uh, virtuoso classical musicians. And they were debuting a work by an Irish composer called Swan Hennessy, who lived in Paris and died actually in Paris and is buried here. But again, there's not a lot known about him in mm. Ireland. I think I think a lot of the Western art composers, you know, from John Field to Swan Hennessy, they're kind of forgotten, maybe, maybe because they were Anglo-Irish. But, you know, they often found uh, refuge in Paris. So they were playing with me and they took Cormac McCarthy's arrangements from songs for, for, for Wild Place and they rearranged them in a, a violin duo. So they played with me on four songs. So that was quite amazing. God, it sounds like a month isn't enough, Jack. No, it's gone by very, very quickly. Yeah. When are you finishing up? Um, on the 1st of August. Oh, my God. Uh, like yeah. when you have had a residency like this, are you still eligible to have another one again? Or what, how does that residency program and system of awards work? Like now that you've been, does that take you off the list for a while? Or does it depend on the project you submit? I'd, I'd have to chat about Nora with that. But I think I think if it's successful, then, you know, you might be eligible in the future. And I was so fortunate to get it, you know, um, because it tied in with my summer holidays being a teacher. But it's just a wonderful program and you can even see the links culturally between France and Ireland and the embassy and 
there's so much going on here. Because it sounds like the work that it has inspired, but also the work that it is supporting is really exciting. I mean, you had to submit this before you came over. And what was the overarching thread of the submission you made? Was it because here were three men who couldn't freely express their sexuality or identify their their sexuality in Ireland and how that impacted their work or their personas? Or was it the opposite of how being in France changed what they did? I think a combination. And and while I will, you know, look into their sexualities and try and find some shocking stories, um, (laughs) you know, because they were all multifaceted beings. Like Bian was fond of a few jars and there's some hilarious stories of him being in Paris, um, being locked up for the night and telling Air Force France that, you know, he wouldn't ever fly again if he didn't have the brandy he wanted. But I think Bean in particular was looking for a kind of an idealised Ireland in, in, in Paris, you know, a kind of almost mythic Ireland amongst bards and musicians and artists. So I think that was something he was striving for over here. Just their adventures over here as well and, you know, what they, what they found inspiring, where they used to hang out and drink coffee in bars and haunts they'd end up. I know. Did you have any particular song germinating before you went over that was changed now that you've been there? I didn't. I kind of came with a blank canvas. I'd done a bit of reading on all three of them, but I kind of wanted to use the time over here to research and to see what would come to fruition. And I think just Wild Place was, was, was such a kind of extensive run that I, 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 I didn't want to kind of dive into it before coming over here. I'm just so excited to hear what does come out of it. Like, is there any particular work that you feel like that you've nailed? Like there's one or two songs that like you don't want to touch again. You know um, they're down. No. they're all still works in progress isn't that so interesting they're all sketches the poem that I put to music I'm happy with that yeah so I'd probably record that with Connor and a really great filmmaker over here called Bob Um, but no there's there's sketches and they're they're kind of coming to life slowly but surely so it might be it might be an EP these songs it might be something that could we could do live with with, with theatre put into it you know Sky's the limit. Yeah, my own imagination is firing, Jack. I have a couple of ideas already for you. And I'll tell you about them when we're finished. (laughs) Listen, uh, that means you've only kind of just over a week really left now uh, in Paris. And I know you've been saying that you have been kind of disciplined work-wise, but I hope it hasn't been all work and that you have allowed yourself plenty of time to, if not raise hell, well then certainly savour everything the city has to offer. Well, absolutely. You know, I mean, even walking by the Seine, you know, in the morning and going down narrow streets and constant discovery, museums and art and it's amazing, even after three weeks, how you think you're becoming desensitized and then you go to another area and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, the grandeur and the, the characters that you meet along the way. Your baguettes in the morning. Oh, and yeah. Your, yeah. I'm so delighted for you. I think everyone is really delighted, but also excited to hear what is going to come out of it when you do share with us here at home. I saw the photographs online of your concert, the full house of a concert, which must have been just a really, really, really special atmosphere. So delighted for you. We are going to listen to Runaway Train now again because I want you to introduce it and kind of lead us into the journey that this takes us on. So Runaway Train is the last release from Wild Place. It's kind of like the last baby put out there. And I had released four songs prior to it. And and thank you for your incredible support of them and the album. But after having COVID, I, I... kind of got insomnia so I took a little bit of a break from playing and touring and I run away train should have probably come out a long time ago but I'm, it's great that it's kind of getting a resurgence and a rebirth I and mean, it's it's keeping 
you know, the gigs and the tour dates out there. It was written kind of about COVID, about waiting to meet someone special and the impatience of that. And it's probably the poppiest song on the album. The chorus kind of reminds me of an 80s rock ballad. So it's kind of in that vein while being quite folky too. Love it. Listen, Jack, thanks so much. Enjoy the last week. Have a ball. We'll see you when you're home. Thanks so much, Elmarie. Nice one. Landscape flashes Batten down the hatches Trees and streams, movie reels Through windows on a train Shades of you